Excuse me, General, you got a minute? Oh, there you are, Sam. Colonel Briggs has been looking for you. Colonel, take this man into custody. We're in deep shit, Billy. The virus is aerosolized. What are you talking about? It's going airborne. It spreads like the flu. Impossible. Fine. Go to the hospital, check it out yourself. Go without a mask, you'll see more clearly. You got 19 dead, you got hundreds more infected, and it's spreading like a brush fire. You gotta isolate the sick, and I mean really isolate them, Billy. We gotta get everybody else back into the houses. We gotta keep them there. We're doing that, Sam. No, we're not doing it because I just drove through 100 people. And if one of them has got it, then 10 of them have got it. And if one of them gets out of Cedar Creek, Billy, then we're in deep fucking shit. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up! I back it up! That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just gonna sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy is such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight, and that fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Hi, I'm Michael Morgan, and welcome to the midweek edition of the Wocast. Joining me, as always, from New York, New York, it's G from Woe TV. Hey, hey, Mike, what's going on? What's going on with me is this is like Groundhog Day. Every single morning, I wake up with a cough, just one cough, <laughs> and immediately I think I've got the coronavirus. <laughs> if it's not the cough that I wake up with, it's with one nostril which is like closed shut i can't breathe through it i think i've got the coronavirus <laughs> i wake up occasionally morning to morning if it's not the cough if it's not the nose which is so, just solidly just closed it's a sneeze and i'm thinking maybe i'm watching too much in terms of symptoms and possible things to look out for if you've got the coronavirus. Maybe I've been watching too many news reports. Maybe I've been reading too many articles. And maybe, just maybe, I might be a little bit over-paranoid about this whole coronavirus. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Just maybe you need a humidifier, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you need a humidifier and a decongestion. It does not sound like you have coronavirus, sir. But I completely mm. understand your fear. My fear is when I'm in public, the rare moments that I step out to face the world, <laughs> um, I am afraid to cough or sneeze. And I have allergies and I'm asthmatic. So I tend to cough and sniffle a lot. And people are treating me like I have the plague when I do it in public. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I think it's hilarious because I know damn well I ain't got no coronavirus. But <laughs> it's, it's funny. I was in the doctor's office and I coughed twice. And this white lady sat up straight, looked at me side-eyed, and went across from me and sat across from me like <laughs> she didn't just do that. You know, like people are not playing right now. So you can be paranoid in your home, but just make sure when you step outside, Mike, the people are going to flee from you if you cough like that. And speaking of being in your home, you guys are on lockdown now, right? Um, we are, it's, um, they consider doing like, um, a term called shelter phase or something like that where like literally, shelter yes, phase. the mayor and the governor do not agree on this clause. Basically it is a very strict shutdown of New York city, meaning, um, only like, um, emergency vehicles on the road, nobody on the train, they would shut right. down the city. And the governor does not mm. agree with that because it, it'll affect people that, you know, live check to check or the people that still have to go to work. So yeah. because the governor outranks the mayor, he did not put that clause in place. But what he has done is shut down on gatherings. Now, 
10 or more, you can't do it. Restaurants are either shut down or only doing takeout. And not that we have a curfew, but they don't want people out on the street. And most of us, if not all of us who can, are working from home, including myself. And how much of that is enforced? Because I think your idiot in charge (laughs) is better than our idiot in charge. Because our idiot in charge, up until recently, up until um, today, actually, was quite insistent that we go on business as usual and uh, enact this herd immunity so get out and about and um, if you get the virus well you get the virus and it won't be that bad and um, you know oh uh, on top of that you may lose loved ones those are his actual words so as I say our idiot basically wants us to keep on with business as usual which will obviously enable a lot of us to pick up the coronavirus there is no at the moment enforced um, or any way of actually um, keeping us um, in not necessarily isolation, but um, behind closed doors and less frequent movement. It's more about, well, business as usual, as I say. And um, that's the frightening thing because what other countries are doing is way out of step with us. What we seem to be doing is, um, well, making things conducive for the virus to spread and spread rapidly. Absolutely. When, yeah. you look at, when you look at Italy and when you look at Spain, they seem to have things in train to actually contain the virus and to ensure that it stops spreading. But we seem to be trying to spread it. And as I say, <laughs> your idiot seems to be bigger than our idiot. Well, initially, our president didn't take this very serious and referred to it as a flu and was like, the flu kills more people than this virus. Go about your lives normally, which was Mm. a very dangerous thing to say. And it led me to believe that he himself, our president, did not do the proper research or listen to the White House briefings when they came to him with this information, because even myself as a common person, I began to do a little bit of research on my own and quickly realized that it's not the flu and it's far worse than the flu. So for our president to say that led me to believe you just sound like the rest of these dumbasses out here that just made an opinion without doing any research or being a critical thinker. But I'm happy to to report that he must have listened to the briefings or something happened where he is taking this so serious. And now we have a, a war chief and he's taking this so serious from the press conferences to his effort and what he's doing and how he's working with the states is is actually I'm going to give Trump a compliment which is rare but I like how he's finally waking up woken up excuse me and taking this serious your dude Boris I don't I'm, know why he's telling y'all to do that I, I'm going to take back your compliment there having sat through today's press conference and in the <laughs> first 30 seconds he was referring to the virus as the Chinese virus. Now, for me, we know that we are living in some kind of bizarro world. We must be living in some kind of matrix where we both have leaders, our prime minister, your president, who are out and out racist. I'm going to say it with my chest, racist. I wholeheartedly this believe is prime he's minister. racist. Yes, I agree with well, you. Well, this, this, this is a prime minister who has referred to um, people um, of colour as pecaninnies. This is a prime minister who has um, spoken about um, women in hijabs as looking as though they are robbers looking through or looking into a letterbox. Now, this is our prime minister, overtly racist, 
And it pains me to say this. These are the people who we are supposedly following and taking advice from. Yeah, I mean, as quickly as I can give him a compliment, I can quickly just <laughs> criticize him for those words. And I was dismayed to see our president refer to the virus as the Chinese virus. And I understand that it started in China, but it's already been named COVID-19. And mm. I, I, I just almost feel like, does Trump realize that there are Chinese Americans living in this country, perhaps some that even support him or whatnot? And they're Americans, whether you want to admit it or not. And because of his words, they are now susceptible and victims of hate crimes because ignorant folks are fueled by these words. Once you put an ethnicity on a virus that is killing people, people are going to respond. And I don't understand why Trump, even if he feels like it started in China and he is upset with China for that, why can't he just be a leader and not encourage folks to hurt other folks when we need to be united at the moment? I just don't understand that. This is something that should be said behind closed doors, not at press conferences and not being encouraged online through tweets. Do you understand there's a difference between saying something to your wife or with your friends that you know is ignorant and then when you get out in a press conference you keep it to yourself because it's game time and I just wish he would do that more often. I mean I see it with my own eyes Mike is why I feel so passionate about it as well. I ride the subway during this time and I see people discriminating against Chinese folks that are probably Chinese American not even from China. You don't even know if they have the fucking virus. You don't even know if they're Chinese. They could be Korean. They could be Mm. They could be mm. from Thailand. You're just being racist, and it's wrong. And and then the best part is there are more cases in Italy now than any other place, and yet New Yorkers are discriminating against a Chinese person, and their commander-in-chief is influencing them to do so. I cannot stand it. But I do like how he's taking this serious, and he wants to save lives. I will say that, but he dropped the ball when he started to use racist terms. And now, because of that racist term, he's trending on Twitter as racist-in-chief. So it's appropriate. <laughs> it's an appropriate title, too. You know, He's not a victim when people are like, oh, Gina... It's not fair that, you know, people call him racist. Well, if you say racist things, people are going to think you're racist. So what do you want from me? (laughs) You know, you say racist things, people are going to think you're racist. And that's him, you know. Well, speaking of presidents and speaking of Corona, there's been some recent developments with uh, a president that we all know and love. And that is Dana White. Dana White, Mr. Wrong and Strong, he was (laughs) confident. (laughs) that he was going to uproot an entire fight card and that was UFC London or what was formerly known as UFC London and he was going to take it to the States and he was going to have that fight card um, by hook or by crook. Now, the fact is, even though he was wrong and strong, he has now done a massive U-turn. He's indefinitely postponed um, that event. He's also um, postponed Francis Ngannou versus uh, Jarzinho Rosenstruck Mm -hmm. and Alistair Overeem versus Walt Harris. You know something? I I want to share with Mm -hmm. you an internal um, email which he sent to all of his employees. And it kind of gives you a flavor. It kind of gives you a perspective on his mindset and how he feels. This is what he sent to... It was. This is an email he sent to UFC employees. My crew, this has been a crazy couple of weeks. We've been doing everything possible to stick to our live event schedule because the fighters want to fight. Our employees want to work and the fans want to watch our sport. So many people have reached out 
over the past few days to say thanks for not cancelling our Brasilia event on Saturday. When weird things happen in the world or when there's a tragedy like the October 1st shooting, people want things to get back to normal and nothing feels more normal than watching sports. We did everything we could to relocate our next three events, London, Columbus and Portland, but every day there are new restrictions put in place on travel and large public gatherings that are making it impossible to stay on schedule. Now, we can't even hold an event in Vegas, our hometown, because there's a ban on all combat sports events in Nevada until at least March the 25th. As you've heard me say, I've been in the fight game for 20 years and this is what we do. We find a way to keep our events going no matter what. If fighters miss weight, if fighters get hurt or if states won't regulate us, we figure out a way. But this is different. The whole world is being affected right now and nothing is more important than the health and safety of you and your families. And that's why, that's why we're closing all UFC offices effective immediately, including HQ in Vegas through at least uh, March 31st and asking all employees to work from home. The PI will also be closed to all personnel, including athletes during this time. The next three events, London, Columbus and Portland will be postponed. UFC 249 is still scheduled as planned, but the location may change. We'll keep you posted. I tell you guys all the time, you are the best to ever do it. All caps. It feels shitty now, but we will get through this. All caps. And we'll be tougher, stronger and more badass than ever before. Right now, the number one priority is to take care of yourselves and your family. Finally, I want you to know that UFC has your back. And if you or any member of your family is showing symptoms of the coronavirus and you're having trouble getting to a doctor, please reach out to me, Lawrence or Hunter. Thanks. Now, as I say, that gives you an insight into the mind of Dana White. He wasn't giving that as a perspective um, to the fighters who now are um, worried about whether they are going to be paid. In the rearview mirror is UFC London for many of those on the card. But in front of them are bills, training camps, basically coaches, corner men who need to be paid. And underpinning that in terms of fear, in terms of worry, in terms of stress, I have to say that was an overwhelming message that I got from Mark Casey, who is this week's guest. Bone Crusher, DKZ. How you doing, Mark? I'm good, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Tremendous. Well, you know, unfortunately, under the current circumstances, it's a little bit of a downer that we are now speaking. But just, I've been asking this of uh, everybody who's come on the show this week. I mean, how exactly are you? I mean, obviously, the circumstances aren't great, but how are you? I'm good. Uh, just taking it all in. Uh, I guess it's true, isn't it? It's really happening. So I just take it as it comes and uh, just wait when it's all good and hopefully get matched up. 
I mean, just on how it actually unfolded for you, just talk me through how you basically, um, well, found out that your fight was actually off. Yeah, so it was uh, this Monday's gone. Uh, I think it was Sunday or something. I was just, I just woke up. It was like eight in the morning. Yeah, I got a text. Uh, my manager texted me saying the fight's been cancelled. But I had, I had a feeling on Saturday when I was watching fights. I still have to watch fights. Uh, I was looking how the obviously this 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 t- stadium was empty. I was watching it for you know I started visualizing how obviously I, I have to do it. Yeah, into my own kicks and stuff. It was pretty fun, and in the morning I got that, so it was like, wow, it really has been cancelled. <laughs> but yeah, now we're here, we're just, uh, just taking it all in. And now, just from your own point of view, would you have been happy to, in the same circumstances as we saw in Brazil, would you have been happy to have played your fight out before a televised, uh, well, basically just a televised um, uh, fight? Yeah, I would have now, but uh, from my point of view now is uh, I think it's safer just not to fight, you know, because at uh, the end of the day, it's it's kind of risky. So just wait for it to go and uh, get back to work. It's interesting you say that because of the fighters I've spoken to behind the scenes, no one has, you know, put that at the forefront of the conversation apart from Leon Edwards. When you talk about it being safe to fight, do you think that there was a little bit of pressure on people to actually, um, well, complete their contractual obligations because this is their full-time job? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if what pressure. I don't know because, like, like over, over promotion, for example, Bellator, I've paid for fighters. So I thought maybe we've been paid. But I'm not sure what's happening, to be honest. I thought, obviously, if it wasn't happening, it was to get paid because it's not us stopping the show. It's obviously their choice. And uh, we've invested our time, you know, we're like maybe a week away from the fight. So we put a lot of time, a lot of money. But obviously, we're still waiting. I'm still waiting, seeing what's happening with this. I'm not really sure yet, but we'll see. Now, one such opportunity to continue um, your actual bout, considering how I understand it, Jai Herbert is actually managed by the owner of Cage Warriors or one of the owners of Cage Warriors and that is um, Graham Boylan. Did, did, was that actually put on the table for that fight to take place as was actually offered to other others on the prelims under the uh, Cage Warriors banner? No, what I've been told, so they came back to me. I, th- I got told that fight wasn't going on and uh, I think my man just said something uh, another weight category, 170. Right. If I gave me an opponent, yeah, we gave me an opponent I said, nah, I fight for the UFC and uh, I'll wait. Right. Because I feel like that kind of put my career at risk, to be honest. Because, you know, I was my fight, fight mind is totally different. I feel like I've, I've you know, I've eaten some, some crap and uh, now you're going to tell me fight. I don't want that. Sorry, I missed what you said there. You, 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 were, you were eating some... As in, uh, I said, you know, eating some chocolate and stuff. And you tell me, now you're going to come back and tell me ah. you're fight 170. <laughs> 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 nah. Wow. So you were piling on the pounds. What, are you middleweight by the time that they spoke to you? No, really. It's you. I just had one chocolate, but I just feel like once you've been told, your mind changes, you know? Yeah. So it can't, it can't come in the last minute or oh, another guy. I'm like, it's weak out and... I prepared for one guy, you know, can't come in back to another guy. Oh, you got to fight this guy. I didn't really like it, so 
I said, I'll wait. Mm. And in terms of yourself as a, as a provider for your family, though, um, how does this leave you in terms of um, income? I mean, where, where are you now? I, I take it you, you know, obviously, this is a bit of a setback for you financially, right? Yes, setback. Uh, but, you know, I'm kind of smart with money. I usually save all my money. So, obviously, it hit me because I spend a lot in camp. Uh, but we'll see. I don't want to talk too bad about him. We'll see. But hopefully, pay me something. Because I do believe, you know, like, it's a bit unfair if you don't get paid because we've done a lot, you know. I put my life on the line. I worked two, two months away not for not to get paid at least. At least my, my cost for what I've spent in camp. That'd be nice. But I don't, I don't want to talk, to talk too bad about him yet. I mean, you touched on the fact that, you know, Bellator have been exemplary in terms of not only calling off the event, but ensuring that basically their fighters, their staff were actually looked out or looked after. Now, I, I hear where you're coming from in terms of not wanting to say anything disparaging about the UFC, but were you a little bit surprised that Dana had this the show must go on mentality? No, obviously a money machine, aren't they? I guess they're gonna, they have to do whatever they do uh, to put a show on. And uh, But it's not happening, so that means something's very dangerous out there. And that's why it's not happening. So I'm just glad that safety comes first and stopped it. I mean, talking about safety at the moment, I see, again, I've raised this with other fighters. It'd be interesting to get your perspective on it too, that the UK as a whole, and in terms of the way that we are being governed, are definitely out of step with the rest of Europe and indeed the rest of the world. That We haven't been told that we're on lockdown. If anything, it's almost business as usual. I mean, what's your, your thoughts around, you know, the way in which we are actually preparing for what essentially is going to be a widespread virus in the UK? Yeah, I just, I don't know. I think people are taking it too serious. But I think, I don't know either, but I'm just, I'm just listening to what I'm, I'm hearing and I'm trying to keep myself safe as possible. <laughs> And that's about, you know, I've got my wall, I've got my food ready because uh, we don't know what's happening. But I, I think it's just that English mentality. We'll do what we want. We're not really listening. But I think, you know, safety comes first. So I'm going to try and stay, stay safe for my family and uh, wait till it's all gone and then uh, we'll be back again. And in terms of you more than likely would have seen the carnage which is actually unfolding in London in that people are panic buying and people are literally fighting in the aisles over toilet paper. How bad a situation is it from where you're sitting right now? No, I'm good. I've got like a, <laughs> a card from Macro. Uh, this place, you go and buy food in box. So yeah. I went there and got everything that I needed. And that's why I'm good. <laughs> so, so I can come up to yours to borrow some toilet paper, yeah? <laughs> Just be ready. <laughs> I'll, I'll happily I'll spar you for it. Ready. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, just before you go, yeah. obviously, um, now we are in a situation where, you know, obviously for a while, fights aren't going to be actually taking place. What are you going to be doing in the meantime? What's keeping you sharp? What's keeping you occupied? Uh, but to be honest, I think a couple of gyms are still open and I'm still training right now. Right. Yes, I did, yeah, I did some pads and uh, I'm going to go for a run today. I've got a tie class. Uh, obviously, I'm in SMAB, but I'm, I'm staying away from a lot of people connections. So it's like one-to-one -one classes like uh, 
my coaches and, uh, and that's about it. But I'm trying to stay busy, keep my fitness up. So as soon as, soon as something comes up, this goes away, I'll be straight back in there. So just let's just imagine, um, best case scenario, three months down the line, we've got through this and we're back now looking at fights. Would you entertain this actual matchup again or is it for you, the fact that this has actually been cancelled, it's kind of killed the vibe for this fight? No, no, definitely I'll take it, definitely. I don't miss It was a great fight. I really wanted to showcase my skills. Uh, it was a great opponent for it, like to really go and showcase my skills that I needed to show. So if opportunity given, I'll take it again. If not, I'm not too worried, but I'll be more than happy to take it. Incredible. Well, I have to say, Mark, it's been great uh, catching up with you and thank you so much for your time. I know, you know, obviously now um, is a situation which um, none of us foresaw, but, you know, you've been really gracious with your time given, you know, what's actually going down right now. But um, I really do hope that we see you quickly return to the cage and I really do hope that we quickly see an end to what obviously is is, is a difficult time for fighters right now. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You stay safe as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And like I say, I'm definitely up for sparring uh, for some uh, toilet roll. If, uh, if, that, if we can, we can have that as the prize. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it just elbows got it. Well, yeah, and that's just the thing. You know, just before you go, the whole testing yeah. thing. I wouldn't mind getting your perspective. And I know I said that's the last um, question, but you you kind of prompted yeah. this by the fact that. We're hearing a, a, a lot of celebrities um, talking about the fact that, you know, they've been tested. You know, does that like make you feel a little bit kind of um, almost left out in that? Surely you should, as an athlete, as a matter of course, be tested as well. Oh, no, I'm good, mate. <laughs> I just know I'm good. I'm look, I look for sim- uh, symptoms. If it's not there, then, you know, it's all good. I'm good. But that's just it. What we're finding, I know this is obviously unfolding as we're speaking, but what we're finding on a day-to-day basis, for those people who um, feel okay, just like Idris Elba, have now found to be carrying the coronavirus. So you might feel good, Mark, but you might be carrying it. You never know. You just never know. I mean, if it's an opportunity given to get tested in the year, but... I'm not going to go looking for it. I just, I'm more of a just staying, staying to myself to myself. And stay safe. Yeah. Well, on that note, I hope you do continue to stay safe and um, hopefully speak to you again in the uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, thank you. Take care, buddy. Yeah, bye. All right, nice one. Yeah, Mike. So what I got from this interview is just how this hits home. You know, like me, you and the fans online and MMA Twitter can discuss how we really want them to get paid and our heart breaks. But it's different to hear it from the actual fighter. You know, like it was sad to hear that he doesn't know what's going on. He wished the UFC would communicate more with him about this. He wants to be compensated. And and then he I mean, I'm not judging Mark D. Casey whatsoever when I say this, but it sounds like. This is, he needs the money. This is how he makes money. He's willing to fight someone during a pandemic. You know, like nobody, it just doesn't sit well with me that fighters need the money so bad that they'll risk their own health and risk bringing it home just for that paycheck, just to to ease things, just to pay the bills. And it breaks my heart, you know, very sad interview for me personally. You could hear in his voice that, you know, there is a stress being a family man, I mean, he has two kids and 
This is mm-hmm. his means by which um, he supports them. But I suppose the key thing for me, which I got from this, was just the lack of clarity as to where he stands. It's one thing to know exactly how much you're being paid, when you're being paid. But when all of that is in the dark, how do you plan? How do you get on with your life? How do you let your family know um, you're going to provide for them if you yourself haven't been given any clear directions by which you are really due considering, you know, when you think about it, let's just look at this in the cold light of day. Every single time they take to that cage, they are putting their lives on the line. Absolutely. Their bodies, their lives, their livelihood, you know, it's just so risky. Imagine the risk that already exists, but now you have a virus you can bring home to your family, a virus that you can catch from training, from the gym, from the mats, from, from, you know, it's a heart. And it's, um, from what I've been hearing, it can be um, transferable to you through hard contact, meaning like countertops, mats, it it can survive on things. So it's like there's a plethora of ways to contact this from the air, from a sneeze. And then I feel like fighters are even more at risk from the grappling and the human contact. Mm. And the fact that he's willing to put that on the line for a paycheck to fight, it's very concerning to me. And it goes to show you how badly they need the money. Because I know right now, I would I would not want to fight in the UFC right now with a pandemic going on. But would I be able to say that if I needed the money? Probably not. And I would risk it as well, too. Mm. You know? And, Mike, you know what people aren't discussing? What's that? They're, it's complicated, too, if you fight during this time. Now, let me reference a fighter named Ronda Marcos. She is actually just fought at UFC Brasilia. She is now experiencing uh, flu-like symptoms. Wow. And... Yes, and she responded to a testing center, and they did not test her and told her to self-quarantine. What? Here's another issue. You cannot treat your injuries if you leave this country. If you fight in the UFC mm. and you go back to your home country, mm. you now need to be quarantined because you were in a country that has coronavirus. So before you can even treat your injuries from fighting in the UFC, you must self-quarantine because you just left the U.S., and I believe the fighter who just fought Trinaldo, Francisco Trinaldo, um, let me look him up. He is complaining of that. He has injuries from UFC, UFC Brasilia, but he cannot get treated because he has to be quarantined first. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so it's even a bit more complicated than we think. You know, here's, here he is, John McDessie. Yeah. That's the fighter that I'm speaking of. He just fought Francisco Trinaldo, Trinaldo excuse me. And he is complaining about he can't get his injuries looked at because he must self-quarantine first. Nobody is going to touch him, a doctor, nobody, Mm. until after 14 days his body shows that he does not have coronavirus. What if he had, like, brain trauma? What if he had something, a lingering injury? And I bring this up to, to get our listeners thinking about how it's risky to even fight right now. Because of these travel bans. Mm. If you and then if you're injured and you go home, it's more important that you pass a coronavirus test or that you self quarantine for fourteen days before they treat your broken bones from the fight. So it's even a bit more complicated than we think, Mike. Wow. Yeah. And this is just this is this is breaking news. This is um you probably didn't hear about this because it's just it's new. Just like with the coronavirus, there's always new developments. And believe it or not, 
get ready to hear things like this if the UFC continues to have fights. Fighters are soon going to test positive or they're going to have complications when they can't get back into their country and they have to self-quarantine first. You know, So get ready for that. You know, speaking of um, continuing with fights, the only place it looks like you're going to be watching fights um, is on Fight Pass this weekend because Cage Warriors CEO um, ah. Graham Boiling has actually taken up the mantle um, which was basically uh, being rocked by Dana White and he is now mm-hmm. um, trying to put on the unthinkable and that is Cage Warriors 113 was originally tapped to take place in London the day before UFC London so it's taking place this coming Friday so it was due to take place originally in London the venue who basically because of the new direction that the government is taking in closing Mm -hmm. public places whether they be theatres whether they be cinema whether they be anywhere where large gatherings can actually take place the venue has now passed this information on to cage warriors who in turn has actually uprooted the entire card and cage warriors 113 is now due to take place this coming friday in Manchester. It's at the uh, BEC Arena. Now, this is going to be headlined by Darren Stewart versus Bartos Fabinski. Now, you're probably thinking, hold on a minute, that name does ring a bell. That's because that actual bout was going to take place on UFC London as part of the prelims. Now, this is going to headline a Cage Warriors card. What Graham Boylan has actually done as he manages Darren Stewart, um, he has arranged with the UFC that Darren Stewart versus Bartosz Fabinski can headline Cage Warriors 113. And the rest of the card will be um, whatever has survived of the original Cage Warriors London card. Because as as I mentioned, um, they've uprooted that London card and taken it to Manchester. But in doing so, um, they've lost some fights along the way because there are travel restrictions for some of the internationally based um, fighters who were going to be um, participating in that card. Originally John Phillips was due to also take place uh, to also do battle on that card against um, Disco Turdovic that fight has now been called off and I spoke to John Phillips earlier and I put the video which he'd actually um, created for myself as an answer to the questions which I, I, I put out there. And um, I think it's time then to hear from John Phillips. So I've been informed that uh, my opponent can't make my fight. My fight's off. I couldn't get on the plane for some reason, I should imagine, due to this virus scare and... Um, Unknown if he could fly home, etc. I don't really know. Um, don't hold it personally against him, but my fight's off. So, looking at the card uh, to salvage my fight and maybe another fight, the only fight that possibly can make sense on this card is me and Jack Marshman. Jack Marshman's a middleweight, I'm a middleweight, his opponent hasn't made it, my opponent hasn't made it. Me and Jack are both based in Wales, and we could drive to Manchester to put this show on. I think me and Jack, uh, well, obviously we both want to get paid, but we, we can show the public what two Welsh uh, 
Welsh men can do and hopefully right, uh, raise the raise a bit of positiveness around you in this shit shit situation that um, that that's the only fight that can make sense. It's the only fight that can be salvaged. Jack needs pain. I need pain. Let's rerun it, mate. Let's get it on. Basically, John Phillips, in short, has said that he is prepared to still be on the card, but he wants to run back his clash with Jack Marshman. Jack Marshman is the same weight. He is in the same vicinity, Wales. They can both actually get in a car, as he said, and make their way to Manchester. So this has actually got a little bit of traction online. I put this video up there with um, basically John talking about the fact that this bout is off and the fact that he wants to face Jack Marshman and have another bite at the cherry because you'll remember that he was beaten by Jack Marshman um, in, a, in a previous bout. He wants to basically do battle with Jack Marshman at Cage Warriors 113. Now, as I say, that's got a fair bit of traction. I put it up there mid-afternoon and so far 13,000 people have viewed that oh, video. Wow. So, nice. my, my question to you, I'm not sure if you remember the original clash with Jack Marshman and... Um, and uh, John Phillips, but I just wondered whether that would be something that would be uh, palatable to you to see that run again. No, I don't recall this rivalry or this this previous bout. Mm. But I tell you what, with um, you know no fights going on this weekend, I I bet you myself and others are about to get into outside organizations, except for you know outside of Bellator and UFC. Mm. You know, so with uh, the UFC not putting on bouts, these other organizations like Cage Warriors are going to get a whole new slew of fans because ain't nothing going on this weekend, Mike. You see, and I'm going to need to watch this. So if they want to create, you know, a fight like that, yeah. and, and thirteen thousand views on your page from one video yeah, from one, one video. Uh, tweet, mm. oh, the, pe- the people are interested. That's a that's a lot of views. So put, put it this way, I'm intrigued. I'd watch put it. Put it this way. That particular bout, um, it was it was very uh, it was hotly debated at the time because John Phillips got himself into a position where you know he'd actually almost knocked out um, Jack Marshman, had him sprawled out on his back, but invited oh. Jack Marshman back on his feet. Now Jack Marshman, in a cunning display of um, changing up the game plan. Um, took John Phillips to a decision. Now, the way that I look at it is this. I love John Phillips, and I know you shouldn't have favourites, but I'm just going to lay my cards firmly on the table. John Phillips could be up there fighting a dog with a banjo I'd watch. There's a reason why they call him (laughs) the White Mike Tyson, or they used to, until the UFC told him that he couldn't rock that moniker anymore. That's why he now goes by the Welsh Wrecking Machine. He knocks dudes out. (laughs) He's got heavy hands, left and right. I, I would definitely watch that. So, fingers crossed he does actually um, get some kind of, like, success in baiting and drawing out Jack Marshman. But so far, Jack Marshman has been very, very quiet. And and not for nothing, uh, what's wrong with the white Mike Tyson? we got the Black Beast <laughs> yeah. out there. You know what I mean? What's wrong with the uh, white Mike Tyson? It, it says a lot. When you said that, I sat up straight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, immediately I was like, this guy's got hands. He has the moniker of Mike, white Mike Tyson. Mm. I think that's kind of dope. And the UFC has no business 
telling people they can't use certain names and we got a whole bunch of dumb shit out there and (laughs) 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 poor guy like his um shout out to you I like your um white Mike Tyson name but just from you talking I'm gonna get into this right away and I'm I'm set to watch Cage Warriors 113 this Friday I don't I don't understand how they're pulling it off during this pandemic. I hope the fighters are safe. And I would love to say that this should probably be canceled too because this is a pandemic. But I'm just going to hope that this organization is safe. And I'm just kind of happy to see someone like Darren Stewart, who, you know, needs to support his family and was on the UFC London card. I'm glad to see him on this card. And I'm glad to hear that Cage Warriors and UFC are kind of letting fighters fight in other organizations right now. I think that's kind of dope, you know. This is kind of new, you know what I mean? Most of the times UFC fighters just are sanctioned and work in the UFC, but to see Dana letting, you know, some contract negotiations go Mm. on here and letting a UFC fighter fight this quickly for Cage Warriors, I will give Dana props for that. That that's really helping Darren Stewart right now for Dana not to be so strict with his UFC contract. You I know? think it also helps. I I think that um, Cage Warriors, um, as I say, uh, part owner and um, uh, manager of Darren Stewart are one in the same. Graham Boylan, uh, I think he either has Good. a share or he has a stake in Cage Warriors. He's the promoter for Cage Warriors, and he's also the manager for Darren Stewart. So. That was probably nice. quite an easy one to negotiate and to actually um, put into play. But one of the things which I'm kind of like keen to see is if they do mm-hmm. actually hold this event. Because what uh, Boris Johnson has actually said is the reason why events are no longer taking place, whether they be um, large scale events or even, you know, up until 500 people attending. This will mm-hmm. be behind closed doors, but you still need medics. And Boris yes. Johnson has said that he's withdrawing all ambulances from major events, from all events. He's withdrawing police attendance at major events. Now, I'm guessing mm-hmm. that um, I think they're called Code Blue. They're a, they are a private uh, medical facility, I believe. And mm-hmm. um, they more than likely will be on hand and because it's taking place behind closed doors and I imagine there'll be no media in attendance I imagine there'll be no um, crowd obviously because it's taking place behind closed doors I think because it's stripped back to such a uh, an extent that is probably why they can actually run this yeah I was wondering how they were getting around that loophole because you know what's so funny is that um, Dana White had the same issue And according to ESPN MMA, he was saying that they were ready to go live on ESPN on Saturday night, you know, because they they were going to create like a makeshift card real quick to replace UFC London. And believe it or not, Dana White was going to have this on an Indian reservation in Oklahoma City. And these are his words. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. These are his words to ESPN in an interview. And he said, we have the card, we have the fighters, we have everything. Mm. But obviously the president has just spoken to the country. It started with 50 people in a room, which made it difficult to comply. Mm. But Mike, when they made it even less it made it harder for Dana to put the fight on. So now they can't even do it on, on a reservation. Like you can't, you can't throw a fight or have a fight with just 10 people or less. Like you said, you need ambulance on standby. You need cutmen. You need, it takes like quite a few people, even without an audience to really get a fight going. So 
God bless Cage Warriors for getting these men paid and pulling it off. But, you know, Dana White can't even do it for the UFC. But I will say this. Mm. There is Dana is still adamant on putting Tony Ferguson and um, Khabib on in April. He doesn't know how yet, but he still wants to do it. Well, put it this so way. We'll, seem- we'll, we'll see. He And he hasn't postponed it. He refuses to. You notice he canceled, you know... What's it called? The the fights you had just mentioned, um, Walt Harris versus Alistair Overeem. Overeem. Yeah. Those, that's postponed. Mm. Yes, Rosenstruck versus uh, Francis Ngana, Nagano, yeah. postponed. He he has not postponed UFC 249. Mm. Even with all this going on and only 10 people in a room, he refuses. He said he's going to figure it out. So we shall see. Indeed. Now, listener questions just before we wrap well, up today. Can- can I jump on one real yeah. quick since we're talking about Khabib? Go for it. Well, our favorite European follower, Hinkster, H-I-N-X-S-T-A, and a huge listener and follower and fan of the, of the podcast. So thank you for listening, Hinkster. But he sent us something. He wanted us to discuss your thoughts, Mike. Mm. Khabib's father, um, oh, I'm going to mess up his name. I'm going to do my best. Abdul Manap. Nurma Gomedov. Let's just call him. Ooh, Mr. I did let's it. Just call him Mr. Nurmagomedov. Mr. Khabib. But you, 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 you still killed it. You nailed it. I, I killed mm. it. Yes, I, tr- I was practicing in my head. <laughs> well, he thinks, <laughs> he thinks that this uh, fight, Ferguson versus his son, is going to take place in Abu Dhabi, yeah. because Abu Dhabi only has about maybe seven confirmed cases of uh, coronavirus. Yeah. And there are no recorded Mm. deaths. Yes, 11 known cases, excuse me. And eight are in Abu Dhabi. And he thinks that's the perfect place to have it. He says Khabib is not concerned with the virus or catching it whatsoever. You know, they Teflon. He don't care. And he believes that's where the fight should be. And Hingston wants to know, what are your thoughts on UFC 249 taking place in Dubai and what his father said? I love the idea. I'm not going to front. I want to see that fight and I want to see it take place. I'm not going to stand here or, or, or sit here and say, you know, um, because of what's actually happening and what's transpiring. Um, just as long, I keep mentioning this, just as long as the fighters are tested, just as long as the fighters' safety is safeguarded, just as long as no one is in harm's way, I'm all for these events taking place. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing. I'm all for it if it's safe and it's controlled. And and I, I want the fighters to be tested, but I know that it's really hard to get our hands on these tests. And that goes for globally. The only people I see getting tested are celebrities, yeah. which is really weird and a whole nother conversation, mm. which pisses me yeah. off. But if they can do it safely, why not? But I will say this, that I don't take um, Khabib's dad too serious. You know, this is the same guy that is pushing, like, he, you know, he wants to fight his son to fight Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. They came up with these crazy rules and, and two two rounds, MMA, one round. I don't listen to Khabib's dad, and he's not a fight promoter. He's just his dad and confidant. You know what I mean? And just because there aren't that many cases in um, Abu Dhabi does not mean they're not going to have a travel ban there. Like, Africa, for instance, has low coronavirus but they also have a travel ban in place so no one from the u.s can go to africa in certain certain countries in africa you can't from the u.s you can't go there even though they have barely any coronavirus so that could happen in due time with abu dhabi think subject things are always subject to change with this virus and i don't take 
Khabib's dad serious. If Dana had said this, I would be mulling it over. He's not a fight promoter. But if they can do it safely, I'm down. <laughs> um, He's next. What's a good... Oh, yeah. Our next one, Mike, is from one of my favorites, um, Shaylin MMA. Mm -hmm. So she said, name some of the best wars in MMA. Ah. And, Mike, when I say wars, I'm going to define what she means, and I hopefully she means mm. this. Mm. <laughs> because this is how I base my answer. I'm talking about a war where people went back and forth the whole damn time. I'm not talking about some killer knockout I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm talking about a barn burner when two people went to war. Okay. What are some of your favorites? Or do you need time to no, think? No, I'm going to go with Robbie Lawler um, and Rory McDonald. Good one. UFC 189. Mm -hmm. That, for me, was the epitome of a war. When you look in the dictionary under mixed martial arts wars, this has got to be at the epitome. This has got to be at the top. In terms oh, of... Oh, it's in the top three. It, 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 huh? What's that? It's in the top three. It has to be. Number one. Come on now. Yeah. It had everything. Yeah. They're not even the same anymore. That's a war. You know, like they don't fight the same since they, they beat the living hell out of they each other. They left their you souls know? in that octagon. I knew you would probably say that because that's like everybody... Um, says that but like okay I have three because I'm so selfish and I love MMA and I'll make it real quick mm. okay old school Paul Taylor versus Paul Kelly from the time that oh, bell wow. rang till it ended they went to war yeah, yes right. U UFC, UFC 80 rapid fire it's one of my favorite fights they fought like two alley cats in heat from it was unreal John Jones versus Alexander Gustafsson, UFC 165. Yes. I never saw anybody test John Jones like the way Alexander Gustafsson did, and I my heart was pumping out of my chest the entire time. Mm -hmm. And my last one, yeah. you have to bring this up. You have we have to discuss this, even though it just happened. Welly Zhang versus Joanna J. Jun Chick. Joanna Yen. Damn, I'm bad yep. with names. Yeah, JJ. I'm gonna call her JJ. Mm. That was um, a classic. That is the definition of a war. Neither lady backed down, and they beat the living shit out of each other. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite fights. Now. I'm going to uh, jump in with just a couple more, actually. Do you Go remember ahead. Barry versus Congo when it was all over? Yes. And it, then it wasn't all over. Yeah. <laughs> Man, now that was a war. And for me, I have to say... I said that mm -hmm. Robbie Lawler versus Rory McDonald was my number one. Mm -hmm. If we were to be doing a top five, my number two would be Diaz versus Daly. I loved that exchange, oh, that yes. back and forth. That, for me, was the epitome of a war. Oh, yeah. I love that fight so much. And they, I mean, the perseverance of Nick Diaz was astounding. And then Paul Daly and those bombs he was yeah. dropping. And then Nick just peppering him up, body shots all over the place. He even threw like a little kick at him and just like, get away. It was so, I'll never forget that because my brother bust out laughing and he doesn't watch mixed martial mm. arts. He was like, Gina, what the hell was that? <laughs> it was, it was so funny. I mean, we can go on and on. I, I like Kelvin versus Izzy. That's a war. Yeah. Okay. Cub Swanson versus... Yes, Cub Swanson versus Doe Ho Choi. That was a war. I thought one of them was going to die in there. They were hitting each other so hard. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, listeners get used to us reminiscing. If they're going to take MMA away from us, me and Mike are going to sit here and, <laughs> and talk about this stuff because um, I can. Um, and we got another reminiscing type of question. Mm. Um, 
Let's see. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? There's another one. Again, Hinkster, our European follower, he said, what three fights would you and Mike recommend during this break and from any promotion? You have to watch Griffin uh, versus Bonner 1, the tough finale. You have to watch that. If you have Huh? I'm so over that fight. Are but you go being ahead. serious? Yeah, I'm just over it. It just looked like two slobber knockers of men just going at it. No technique, just beating the shit no out of each way. other. I mean, I, no way. I get it. It's just not one of my favorite fights. Yeah, but, but, but we're talking about one of the, for me, the Hall of Fame uh, fights. This is something that will go down in history as the turning moment when the UFC, well, you know the story, when the UFC guess, basically yeah. um, solidified the fact that they were... They, 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 they were the sport to go to for as real as it gets. I love the moment for the UFC. I just didn't technically like the fight. I thought it was sloppy as fuck. Wow. But I understand um, the nostalgic, you know, what's the word I want to use? The nostalgic value and how it kind of set things off. And tough one, baby, okay. you know. I do, I do appreciate it. I just didn't like the Let fight. Let me try again then. Alexander Reed, Alex Reed, versus... Tom Kong Watson. Bama. Oh, um, I haven't seen that. Bama, you have to. Well, what will allow me to retort? You have to. <laughs> you have to go and watch this. Basically, the whole lead up for this, Alex Reed um, was married to a lady called Katie Price. Now, I suppose it's the, um, the equivalent here. You know, it's the nearest equivalent I can think of would be Kim Kardashian. Kim, Kim Kardashian. Oh. She's a celebrity ex model. And um, doing the most in terms of um, coverage and getting herself splashed around uh, media and especially front pages of newspapers. Now, um, Mr. Reed, Alex Reed, put on an incredible performance. He took Tom Con Watson to a decision. But, you know, this was like Heart of a Lion type of performance because. Alex Ooh. Reed at the time was seen as a wannabe actor and um, Mr. Katie Price. He wasn't taken seriously, but when he stepped into that octagon, he was like phenomenal. I, I just, I right. just remember being sat cage side, like almost. With, oh, you was yes, cage almost with my face up against the cage, and the <laughs> place was absolutely <laughs> packed, and people were baying. It was just incredible absolutely incredible and like i said like to we've told our viewers before if you listen to the show and you haven't been to a fight you must go well as soon as coronavirus has dies but as soon as you can get to a show yeah. go it will change your view on it if you think you love mma now you will love it even more after seeing a fight live because even mike every time you talk about a live fight your whole demeanor changes yeah that's true and um yeah, no, it does. It does for me, too. Even bad fights, you know what I mean? But, Mike, when we uh, are done recording this, text me that fight. You know, I'm home. I'm quarantined. I'll watch it. Done deal. Send me, <laughs> send me that again, and I'm going to keep that story in mm. mind. However, here is my answer. And you know me. I'm corny. Okay. I had to come up with three. I'll All make right. it brief. Pete Sells versus Scott Smith. I think people need to watch because it's like a fun but rudimentary an exciting fight in the UFC. Okay. Not too big on technique, but it's like that old school UFC without the barbarism of of UFC 1. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's rudimentary and you know, just 
Mike, watch this when we hang mm-hmm. up. Pete Sells versus Scott Smith. The guy, what's it called? Scott Smith gets hit with a hard body shot. He actually reacts to it, falls to his knees. Pete Sells sees him fall apart, runs towards him, but forgets the basics. And, and he runs gets knocked out. I've seen with this his hands fight. down. Yeah. Yes. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. That's one of that's one of mine. I would say to anybody, if you just want to see a slobber knocker UFC hurt. fight. Oh, I think he broke a yeah. rib because after he knocked him out, he fell out on the floor. <laughs> and to be honest with you, that's one of my favorite fights. I just it's something that stuck with me, and I've been a fan ever yeah. since. Um, and then I have one in Bellator: Eddie Alvarez versus Chandler Ooh. in Bellator. Ooh. Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah. That look, was a good you're drooling. Call. I'm surprised that wasn't the, in your oh. your. Um, best wars it's a war right yeah but i put it on this list too because it's good to remember why we love eddie alvarez and it's good to respect chandler Mm. i find that chandler has declined and i find newbies don't understand how good he used to be or when he was in his prime and this is the fight to watch to be like damn chandler was Mm. good and goddamn eddie alvarez puts on a show he gets beat the hell up and then he beats people back up (laughs) because even in this fight you know Chandler was getting him, but in the third round, fucking Eddie started beating the living crap mm. out of him, only for in the fourth round for Chandler to submit him. It was nuts. Yeah. One of the people, folks need to watch that fight ASAP. And then last but not least for me, Takanori Gomi versus Nate Diaz in Pride. Nothing like a go go Plata submission, which is just to me utterly beautiful. I haven't seen that. And it was cons- that is when I want to watch yeah, you now. Need- you gotta watch the go-go plot of that uh, that Nick Diaz pulls off is phenomenal. Mm. The old school boxing, and Mike. Fun fact: It was considered an upset because Nick dethroned the heavily touted Pride fighting lightweight champ Ta- um, Takanori. No one expected him to do that. Uh-huh. Now to ruin the fun a little bit, he did test positive for drugs, <laughs> Mister Nick Diaz. <laughs> so this beautiful performance turned into a no contest. But I don't give yeah. a fuck what he tested for. I think it was weed. I can't. Hickster probably knows. He'll probably DM me and remind me. Um, but he failed for some reason. I don't care. One of the best fights in Pride I've ever seen. So. I got my homework to do. I'm going to watch the fight you recommended. You're going to text me, and I need you to watch Takanori Gomi versus uh, Nick Diaz. You won't Done regret deal. it. Yeah, you Done won't regret deal. it. We mm. quarantined, Mike. What else we got to do? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. You know? Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Wocast. As usual, you can find me at TV on Twitter, and you can find G at... Your favorite place, the G-Spot MMA. <laughs> you know how many you know how 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 do you, do you know how <laughs> see I'm, I'm i'm flabbergasted you know do you know how wrong that sounded <laughs> sounded great to me you i think you know why <laughs> oh wow until next time make some trouble always later mike <laughs>